Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand journal roles, and content leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. and welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Kevin, Kevin, you've dressed up for us. Look at you. Our listeners can't see you, but I'm going to be posting on our LinkedIn, of course, because that's where we'll be cutting up our segments, putting some of the podcast on there for everyone to see. You're in a beautiful, deep ocean blue collared shirt this week, a break from your normal white and gray tees. It's probably for the best that the camera quality isn't the best because it's actually a bit of an old... Polo. <laughs> the rest of my teas are in the wash, George. I have to resort to dressing up. Yeah, you're lucky that everyone is okay with low production quality on social. Sometimes, <laughs> I don't know if you look, when you see, you know when things turn to HD and then to 4K, and the obvious losers when that happened was TV presenters who are ex-sports stars. Some of them just look so battered and bruised, and then you get close-ups <laughs> of their face, and you just see all that definition that you just didn't need to see at all. Like, and it can be so gruesome up close. Some people, including myself, I would put myself in that category, are not made for HD. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think your fiance would disagree, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, my yaya, when she met you, she said that Kevin's quite a handsome young man. So well, yaya is I don't mean to kind, make you blush, but... Too kind. Yeah, and her her vision's twenty twenty, so she's seeing everything in four K. Maybe I just come with a natural blurring effect. <laughs> yeah, you reckon? Maybe, uh, maybe your career, your inner charisma is so strong it like just yeah manipulates everyone's vision and brain. I, I like to think I, I was made for podcast. Yeah, what it, look, whatever it were, whatever whatever it is, it's working. It's fine. Great job. 
great job. I'm glad you've dressed up for us. I think you look terrific. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. Kev, are you on, uh, are you on TikTok? No, I am not. Sometimes, well, not sometimes. I've always felt too old for my own skin. So TikTok is well beyond my comprehension and my, my advancing years. Well, Kevin, I have news for you. The fastest growing demographic on TikTok is the 30 to 50 category. Wow. So you're falling right into there pretty soon. So look, I guarantee <laughs> as soon as you hit that 3-0, you'll be signing up straight away. I've just jumped on it. I'm looking for educational content. Link. So TikTok seems to think I just want to see videos of women in bikinis. I honestly have no interest in that. I'm just trying to get some edu- educational content, but it must just be looking at my age and what others my age want who are men. And it's just feeding me that content. It's I'm trying to train it. I'm really trying to train this algorithm. I'm searching B2B marketing, you know, all kinds of things to try and get that algorithm working for me. And it's resistant. It is resistant. I'm sure that's the explanation you give to your girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. We'll take your word for it. Maybe you should try using a burner phone. See if it's taking any data that it's not meant to. So true. Yeah, very, very true. Maybe I need to try that. But it is such a powerful platform. It's kind of crazy the reach that you can get on it at the moment because there is so many more viewers than there are creators. <clears throat> and I think just the way that the algorithm works and the way that the platform works is just feeding you like 15 second after 15 second like hit of entertainment into your eyeballs. It's pretty wild what's going on out there. Today, we're going to be talking about how B2B marketers can drive demand by being helpful. Just a reminder for our listeners that this season, season two, we're talking about Be Helpful, which is the second B of our five Bs framework which are, Kevin, what are our five Bs? Be ready, be helpful, be seen, be better, and be the best. That's right. And last season, we spoke for 19 episodes about the first B, be ready. Last week, we encouraged our listeners to go back and listen to it because at its core about identifying your dream customers and doing the work to deeply understand them, it's one of the most fundamental things that companies just aren't doing. And it's a great time for marketers to do that. It was really awesome telling our listeners to go back and listen to them and then seeing our podcast downloads for this week, Kev, and seeing that our listeners are actually going back through and listening to it. So that's awesome. I think that it's a really perfect time for people to address that. And then once they've gone through that, be helpful. What we're covering this season follows very naturally from it. And I think we should probably kick off, Kev, with what being helpful even means. Look at what it means, why does it work, and how we can do it, or how our listeners can do it for their company. Maybe you can kick us off, Kev, by telling us what being helpful means. Sure thing, George. Being helpful essentially means having that deep understanding of customers, of your customers, that we always harp on about. And to do that, we've mentioned in the past a really indispensable part of that process is talking to your customers and understanding what their pain points are and then simply look to help them solve those pain points. It's probably the most simple way that we can put it in those two words, be helpful. And we actually borrowed that from Tim Reed, who hosts the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. And his book, The Boomerang Effect, is all about being helpful. I think that there's so much noise out there when it comes to what your content strategy is. 
This is essentially almost like a bigger business strategy, which your content strategy should be a key part of your overall business strategy. But if you approach everything in your business with those two guiding words of being helpful, then that fundamentally aligns your business to what those customers need, doesn't it? Yes, that's exactly right, George. Making that link between how you're going to help your customers and what your business is doing is very important. And you have to make that crucial step and connection between the two. That kind of nicely segues into our next topic of discussion, which is why does being helpful actually work? Do you want to take us through that, George? Yeah, I've thought quite a lot about this. I think, Kevin, that the reason that it really works is because when you're asking someone to buy your product or your services, you're effectively asking them to change the status quo of whatever it is that they're currently doing. Mm. So if that person who's working in a company and you want to try and win over the business, they're essentially opening themselves up to the scrutiny of their boss, their peers, their stakeholders, their colleagues, if that product or service that you're offering them goes wrong. So you really need to get them to trust you. So they're taking a chance on you and your product, basically. That's how much of a sell you have to make. That's exactly right. You and I have both worked in organizations before and it's much easier to just keep your head down, keep the status quo the same, and you're probably going to follow the same linear career progression as everyone before you. You're not opening yourself up to any kind of risk and it's just kind of a safer way to be. That's just about the job description of being a lawyer, isn't it, George? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right, is just play it safe, follow the rules. You'll follow the same career progression as people before you. Yeah, there's a template for absolutely everything. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And I think marketers tend to forget that, that that's why it's important to help people because you need to get people to trust you. And how do you get people to trust you? Well, how do you get people to trust you in your everyday life? It's by helping them. We need to go out there, we need to figure out what pain points those customer has and then how our product or our service is going to help solve those pain points for them. It's not necessarily just looking at what features does our product that's going to help solve their pain point. It's where do they want to go next in their career? Where do they want to go next in their life? And how does the industry that we're working with, how does the knowledge that we sit on as a company, how can we use that to then educate and entertain those potential customers to help them get to where they want to go next. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, George. I mentioned this to you the other day. I had a thought about this idea of building trust. And a lot of people in the industry at the moment are talking about building trust through being authentic. And what does that really mean, being authentic? It almost seems like a bit of a buzzword that's being used, just thrown about without really understanding what being authentic means. It almost seems like you need to talk in a particular way. You need to show every facet of you. I don't think that's quite right. I think when it comes down to it, being authentic, it's a response to the users who are now digital native in a lot of senses or very familiar with the digital landscape. They can smell bullshit online as well as they can smell bullshit in person. And so it's important when you're looking at being authentic, that's the answer to that, that people have a better radar for when you're selling them crap now. So you need to be, you know, actually adding value with the content and the communication you're doing online, as well as what you were doing offline. You were doing that before offline, and now you need to have that same sort of approach to the online space. It used to be that five, 10 years ago, you can go online, throw up a Google ad, throw up a Facebook ad, and the thing will just sell. Even if it looks a little bit dodgy, there'll be enough people who are willing to take the risk of a scam to buy the product and to test it out, to test out your service, whatever it might be. 
Nowadays, it's, that's not the way anymore. And so in that online space, to be authentic really means that you have to add something of value to that space before people start to trust you, build that relationship with you, and then you can start to actually help them in a meaningful way. So I think you know it touches on that concept of authenticity that a lot of people are talking about, but we view that as a little different. If you just focus on actually adding value to people's lives, to their careers, to, to the work that they're doing and the communication that you have with them online, that's what you need to focus on. And then that will naturally lead you to considering how can your content make their lives easier? How can it help their careers? What are their pain points? And you'll naturally start to try and figure out those really important points of discussion rather than superfluous stuff like throwing up motivational quotes uh, that might be relevant to your industry and a hundred industries next to it. It doesn't yeah. really add too much to, to people's lives um, or at least a lot less than if you were really tailored, really considered in the content and the communications you have with your audience online. Sorry to interrupt guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out. The b2bincubator.com. Check it out. All right, back to the episode. And I think, Kev, as part of that, being authentic means it's okay to not have all the answers. We always say that part of being helpful is representing yourself as the expert, but you might not have all the expert knowledge. And that's okay because there are methods and techniques that you can do to lean on other people in your industry to share their expertise. So if you have a platform that sells software to, I don't know, HR managers, and none of you internally in that company that's building that software have actually been in the position of an HR manager or you were there many years ago and are somewhat out of touch, then it's going to be pretty hard to get a good feel as to like what their pain points are. Sure, you can go and speak to them and get that, but then to really get an authentic feel of their voice and where they need to go next and what it is that they find really interesting and how you can help them to go beyond that. If you don't have that industry knowledge, then by pretending that you do without first doing that deep customer research, that's not authentic. That's not authentic. You're making assumptions about what is really going to resonate with them. You're making assumptions about what their pain points are. And if you just aren't able to get in the mind of the HR manager, there are ways of leveraging relationships with like B2B influencers to come into your business and help drive that conversation too. So you don't have to be the person with all that knowledge straight away. I think, you know, there's a place for that sort of content where it's maybe a bit more opinion based, where it's maybe a discussion starting point or it's contributing to an existing discussion. But that needs to be made clear when you communicate with your audience so that it is an opinion. You are sharing it in a particular context and people shouldn't view that as something that will, will help them in a meaningful way other than in that context of discussion of giving an opinion that you think is worth communicating to stimulate some thought. Because if people start 
viewing it as the be helpful sort of content that you want to produce, they might start to, I guess, judge you on that if it's not quite right. It's, it doesn't really work for you either if you eventually prove wrong on your opinions or you're not really helping your audience with the content that you're putting out, then they will associate not being helpful, uh, not very knowledgeable and not an expert to your brand name. So it is actually in your favor to make sure you are completely honest with where the limits of your expertise is and then communicating beyond that to make it clear that it is an opinion and to try and get those expert opinions in in place where you might feel like you have gaps in your knowledge for the time being. And just on that, Kev, if you're not at that expert level, the fastest way to become at that expert level is to go and interview a bunch of people who are experts. So if part of your content creation or demand generation strategy for that business is to have your own show, then you can go and invite a whole lot of experts in that field to come on and share their opinions on your show. And then that you, you will learn so quickly by hosting and interviewing these people and you'll get trained up very quickly. Yeah, and there's value in doing that work. You know, other people are in, in similar positions and they are looking for someone to aggregate some of that knowledge to present that information. So there's definitely value in then doing that work in interviewing as well. So again, you come back to this idea of adding a value, being helpful to your desired audience, to your desired customer base. And part of that is producing a piece of content where you get expert opinions in. Yeah, yeah, well put. So just to summarize quickly for our listeners then, being helpful means really deeply understanding your customers, talking them to understand what their pain points are and then helping them to solve them. And the reason it works is because people are taking a risk when they use your product or service. So you need them to trust you. That's just how people work. And uh, yeah, that's what being helpful is all about. And this season, we're going to show you guys how to be helpful step by step. All right, George, for the rest of this episode, I think it'd be interesting for us to discuss this idea of how can a B2B marketer working within a business be helpful within that company context? Yeah, Kev, we've already touched on that first step and people might be so sick of me saying it, but it is just so important. You need to first deeply understand your customers. You need to go back and do the work that we spoke about in season one, be ready. It's the perfect time to do it. That way you're going to deeply understand your customer, at least start that process of deeply understanding your customer to find out what they need help with. So that's going to be your first question is what does my dream customer need help with? Don't assume that you know everything about them. Ask them directly if you can. And Kev, I'll put together a template as well that our listeners can grab with just a list of questions that they can ask their dream customers to really try and get inside their head. So you're not just gathering like quantitative data, but qualitative data about them as well. Nice one, George. We'll link that in the show notes. But as a taste of George, before we link it in the show notes, do you want to just run through a few ideas or a few questions that will be included in that template for us? Yeah, I can just quick fire some questions that people can ask their, their dream customers if they get to talk to them. First category of questions that we're going to ask them is about their own goals, both career and personal. One question that you can ask them is, what are you struggling with in your job? You know, what support do you not have that you wish that you had? Where do you want to go next in your career? What are you specifically accountable for and who do you report to? 
We've shared before that our listeners can grab some of this information by looking at job postings on LinkedIn or another job site because often the job descriptions tell you a lot of this information about what their KPIs and objectives are. But the pain points are going to be the points where they tell you what they're struggling with and what support it is they're lacking. That is not something that is going to be in those job descriptions because most companies aren't going to list something like that (laughs) in a job description. Then you want to kind of figure out, I guess, how do you want to get a sense for how these people like to buy and what their own buying journey looks like. They might be able to answer for this, this for you. They also might not be able to answer this for you, but ask them at what stage do you want to talk to our sales rep? And what is the first step in your buying process? The worst thing that you can do is have one of your sales reps reach out to someone when they're not ready to talk to anyone at all. It's going to completely turn them off. It's going to be annoying. So if we can just get a better sense as to what that customer journey looks like, what that buying journey looks like for them, then we can build out all the different touch points to help facilitate that in the way that they want to consume it. So Mm. stop making assumptions about we know how they want to buy and just (laughs) see if you can just ask them directly and they might tell you. Another category of questions, Kev, is to try and get inside their head and find out how it is that they like to learn. Because remember, we're finding out what their pain points are. We want to help them. Part of the way that we're helping them is by educating them or teaching them something that's going to progress them in their career or individually. So asking them questions about how they like to learn can really help us there. So ask, how would you like us to let you know about new information? Where do you go to learn about new stuff before you're interested in buying? You know, do you go and ask your peers? Are there certain influences that you follow? What platforms are they in? What review sites do you care about? Do you go to conferences and events? Do you like webinars? And then when you get all that information, you can take that information and then again, look at building out different marketing touch points to help facilitate that. As part of that, Kev, you can also ask who else it is that influences them and who else it is that they trust. Kev, remember in stage one, we talk about the Dream 100 and the Dream 100 was about forming a list of 100 of the top influences that your dream customers are already gathering. That's essentially helping us fill out that list. We're getting a Mm. really good sense of where it is that our dream customers are already hanging out both online or offline. And then that gives us a roadmap because then based off that list, we can go, all right, we're going to try and work our way organically in with this influencer's audience base. And we're going to do that through partnerships perhaps, or just by contributing to their community and getting our name known in there. Or we're going to look at actually trying to accelerate a little bit faster and try and buy their audience if there's any way that we can do that. Can we run ads to their certain audience? Can we sponsor the podcast that they're hosting? Can we do a paid promotion of some kind with them? By asking all those questions, you're going to get a really good idea as to what the pain points are, how they'd like to buy, who it is they trust, and then what's the best way that you can help them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so let's say I'm you know, a marketing manager within a B2B business. I've now collected all this information or as much as I can about my dream customers, about the audience that I want to talk to and eventually try and convert from. What do I do with that information now? Yeah, Kev, now we have all that information. We know what content it is that we need to create to help them. We know what channel and what format 
is the best to start on because we know where it is that they like consuming that content. We know where it is they're hanging out online. We have a very good idea as to who our target decision makers and influencers are. So who are the people that we need to help? We need to identify that too. Then you need to determine what your own mission statement is. So how are you going to help your dream customers or your audience in a way that's different to others? How are you going to cut through the noise? We know that everyone out there is telling you that you have to have content. 2022 is the biggest year of content and community. So how are you going to cut through the noise? And the answer there is with your mission statement. So that's what you're going to do to help your dream customers get from the comfortable state that they're in, where they don't want to take action, into this better world where they're using your product and your service. And we said that the gap between those two things can be quite big. And the bridge between those is trust. And so your mission statement needs to help them get from one point to the next. I mean, Kev, our mission statement is to really give B2B marketers and business owners the strategy and the tools that they need to accelerate the growth of the companies that they're working for online. That's our core mission. And then that has the very beautiful side effect of helping our listeners who might be B2B marketing managers, for example, accelerate their growth in their own career because they have the strategy and the tools that they need to do that. So we try and stay very, very true to that mission. Our listeners need to try and find what that is for the companies that they're working in. What is the mission statement there? Because that's what's going to help you get your cut through. And once you have that mission statement, then it becomes about frequency of creating that helpful content and engaging in communities to help people. That's part of what we're going to dig into this season is we're going to show people how to become content production machines and we're going to share our own content strategy framework, which does involve a lot of repurposing of content so people just aren't spending all day every day generating content yeah that's very true give them a system give them the tools some ideas around how to make that a system combining it with the information that you've collected and the mission statement that you've unfolded and putting that all together so that you're very careful about your content production but definitely making sure that the volume and the pace and the the nature of that content production aligns with what you need to get out um, to really start having that cut through that you mentioned before yeah it has to be regular but it has to be sustainable and for it to be sustainable you have to have systems in place or you're just not going to stick to it other things are going to pop up it's going to be too hard you're going to have other meetings come in I'm very excited to share that with our listeners too. Just to recap, Kev, we covered the first two steps in being helpful. One was deeply understanding your customers. The second is taking that information and then determining what it is that you need to help them with, where you need to distribute that content. And then the third part is listening to the feedback that your audience gives you on the content that you're putting out there, engaging with them, and then feeding that feedback back into your product and back into your marketing again. I know there was a lot of feed, a lot of backs there, but hopefully the point that I'm trying to make gets a, is getting across in that you just need to create a two-way conversation between yourself and your prospective dream customers. 
Yeah, it comes back to that concept we were talking about, about creating that dialogue. So it's not just like a one-way street where you're shouting at your users, then you wait for them to come back, or your listeners, and you're waiting for them to come back with something, then you're shouting at them again. It really needs to be much more of an organic conversation that's ongoing. And then off the back of that, you start to build a community where you can protect that avenue of conversation between you, your potential customers, and really who you want to talk to and who you want to reach with your helpful content. And I think an interesting point here that we talked about previously is um, this idea of qualitative and quantitative data. We won't dig into that again, but as we get into the specifics of establishing that two-way conversation and the community that surrounds that conversation, then we can talk more again about the specifics of how you use qualitative and quantitative data to really help you accelerate the building of that community. Yeah, I think that conversation around qualitative versus quantitative data last week was really productive because qualitative becomes so important. And I think people are really missing this when it comes to content. The purpose of your content like, is yes to educate, but it should really be to create a community around it. And that's why I really like that we're calling this Be Helpful, Kevin, because Be Helpful is so community-based, right? When you're talking about being helpful, that's what you imagine, whether it's a neighborhood watch, a church group, whatever it is. If, if you're part of any kind of social club, a rugby club, whatever it is, if you're part of that and you're part of that community, it's about being helpful and contributing. And then that's how you get the trust of people around you. That's how people like you. And then once you have that trust, you can lead them to where you want them to go. Yeah, perfect summary, George. All right, so listeners, that's a few things that we'll be discussing this season and that quick overview of what Be Helpful is and what you can do as a process step-by-step in terms of bringing that Be Helpful process into the company that you work in. As well as that, George, I know we talked about this season also discussing how to then scale and keep track of all these activities. So more of like managing this whole process and getting it flowing, but then also thinking about how to track all that and make sense of the data that you get in so that you actually know when your content strategy is working and how to then improve it. And if it's not, how to change it. So you actually have measures and I guess signals of how that all all that is coming together and how all that process is working for you. All right, we'll pump to work through this season. That's going to be really cool to show our internal processes and the process we set up for our own clients. It's a little bit of work to start with, but I think that the tools and systems we have in place, Kevin, is really going to make a lot of our listeners' lives much, much easier once we share it. So very excited about that. Yeah, I think it's worth ending on the summary note that you know, when, when it comes to being helpful, when it comes to crafting your content, it's all about making sure that you're producing content that people actually want to consume, actually get value out of, and then naturally they'll want to engage with and start to grow the community around the product and the services that you're talking about, the content that you're putting out and you're being helpful with, all that kind of stuff. It's about helping those people. It's about producing stuff that people will actually want to read, will want to engage with, and so if you don't see that happening, you know, strive for that. That's really the focus you should have in mind. All these steps, all these frameworks that we give out, it all feeds into that. And that really, in essence, is what being helpful really means.
And Kev, I think we're also going to have to share as part of this, how to measure this activity, because a lot of this stuff, as we've discussed before, can be hard to track in a CRM. So when you're reporting in your monthly email to your higher up CEO, whoever it might be, you need to point them in the direction of metrics that are going to show that this activity is working because the ones that you're reporting on right now probably aren't going to surface the power and what this content strategy generates. All that's to come in this season. As always, listeners, you can find everything we've talked about in the show notes. And next week, we'll again dive even deeper into Be Helpful and we'll give you an overview of the content strategy the best B2B marketing companies in the world are using. Kev, you and I are so grateful that each week we have more and more B2B marketers joining us on this show, messaging us on LinkedIn. It's just been so great to see that they're tuning in and getting a lot of value from it. So if you are someone who you do feel like you're getting value, we have one thing to ask of you, and that is to please leave us a short review, whatever star rating you choose on Apple Podcasts. I don't think there's an option to do that on Spotify. That would be an incredible help to us and we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and really helps us get the message out, get the show reaching more people. And it does help us to then, you know, get more guests on the show and provide wonderful insights for our listeners. All right, Kev, I think we should include that in the show notes, a link straight to the review section, assuming that you can do that. Thank you very much again for your time. Thank you very much, listeners. Very excited to be back into the swing of things and really stoked to speak to you all next week. Take care and see you next week, listeners. Cheers. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.